0: Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlocks big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features, get your free mind snack now. Today we will unlock the book, World Order, Reflections on the Characters of Nations and the Course of History. What is World Order? World order is the way and principles sovereign states use to interact with each other. Why do we need to understand the world order? To quote Kissinger, it is a set of beliefs that explain the universe. Understanding the origin and development of the world order allows us to have a more objective view of current events and not be affected by more emotional opinions. This book is a broad-ranging masterpiece going from past to present day and presents Kissinger's understanding of the world order. It sheds light on the ways one manages international relations. From his perspective as a diplomat and a politician, Kissinger applies his extensive theoretical and practical experience from his 60-year diplomatic career, to summarize the impact of the Westphalian system on the regional order in Europe, the Middle East and Asia. He explores the United States, China and Iran, the key countries influencing the world order, and analyses the challenges and opportunities of the current situation, and draws a reasonable prediction of the development of the world order. In the following unit, we would divide the core context of the book into three parts. Part 1 – The Influence of Westphalian System on Regional Order Part 2 – Critical Countries to Shape the World Order Part 3 – Reflection on World Order Part 1 – The Influence of Westphalian System on Regional Order In fact, the concept of world order originated at the Westphalian Conference in Europe in 1648. In the first chapter, we will learn about the impact the Westphalian system has on Europe, the Islamic world, and Asia. In the mid 17th century, the Westphalian system was established in Europe. In the two centuries that followed, the European order went through three disruptions and rebuilding phases. The most characteristic feature of the European order is the balance of pluralism, the abundance of countries with a variety of polities maintaining their sovereignty and balance of power so how did this happen? For 76 AD, the Roman Empire was divided, and Europe was plunged into chaos and conquest. In 800 AD, Charlemagne, the Frankish king, was crowned by the Pope as Emperor of the Romans, and there was a brief period of unity in Europe, which was soon broken. In 1517, Martin Luther launched the Protestant Reformation, which caused division between the Christian churches, the European order held together by the Pope and the Empire was at stake, and the First Large-Scale War, also known as the famous Thirty Years' War unfolded. After causing more than 8 million casualties, everyone finally agreed to talk and negotiate, the Treaty of Westphalia was signed, and the concept of national sovereignty was clarified. The nations were assured that they could choose their own regime and religious belief, The former hierarchy of superiority and inferiority was set aside, and a new form of equal sovereignty was established. For instance, all kings were addressed as majesty, and all ambassadors were addressed as excellency. To ensure absolute fairness, the negotiation conference venue was constructed with multiple entrances, so that all the ambassadors could enter at the same time. Even the speed of the delegations entering the room was controlled, as to prevent the slightest inequality from triggering a dispute over status. Unfortunately, this did not successfully lead Europe to prosperity and peace. The warlike Napoleon was the first to disturb the balance of power in Europe, with his attempt to dominate the whole of Europe provoking resistance from the other nations. The equilibrium of power in Europe then urgently needed to be restored. From September 18, 1814, To June 9, 1815, European nations gathered at the Congress of Vienna with the aim of rebuilding the feudal order in Europe. At the same time, the anti French coalitions forced Napoleon to abdicate. After the downfall of Napoleon, they planned to reshape the political map of Europe through the conference. In this series of meetings, the nations again signed agreements to secure the territorial order and internal institutions, re establishing the equilibrium of power in Europe. Over half a century later, with the rise of nationalism and the unification of Germany, conflicts between European nations intensified, resulting in the outbreak of two consecutive world wars and the collapse of the equilibrium of power. After the Second World had ended, the United Nations was formed through the Yalta Conference, it solidified the world order we widely recognize today. That was the Second Reconstruction of the European Order. The coming Cold War period saw the US join NATO. The equilibrium historically built by European countries now involved other countries, spreading to the whole world. It has then transformed into an international world order. The European Union was established after the Cold War ended, the European nations dropped part of their sovereignty and interest, and together as a whole, they joined the new global Westphalian system. From the chaos and unrest, during the Middle Ages, to the establishment of equilibrium by the Westphalian system. Through three disruptions and rebuilding, the intra European equilibrium was extended and became a global world order. Let's move on from Europe to the conflict ridden region of the Middle East. The Middle East and Europe are both parts of the Mediterranean Rim. Due to historical, political, and economic factors, although they share the same religious origin, the two have completely disparate concepts of order. In the Middle East, the teaching of Islam is the order. All social institutions and systems are subservient to the religion. Considering this, where does the order come from? It all started with the Prophet of Islam, Muhammad. Muhammad led his followers to unify the Arabian Peninsula. Since then, Islam has become the order of the Middle East. They divided the world into two opposing parts, House of Islam, ruled by the Caliphs, the successors of Muhammad, and the rest was all the realm of war. Just as Friedrich Nietzsche said, when you look into an abyss, the abyss also looks into you. While Islam sees the American continent as a realm of war, the European and American powers also consider the Middle East a realm of war. The only difference is their weapons of choice are democracy and freedom. After the First World War ended, the Allies forced the defeated Ottoman Empire to accept the Westphalian system and signed the Treaty of Sevres at the Paris Peace Conference. It weakened the Ottoman Empire while further dividing the Middle East. All other countries, besides Egypt and Iran, have essentially become colonies of Great Britain and France. Islam is split into Sunnis and Shias. The Islamic powers also have their own dispute among different groups. Some of the countries still insist on achieving great unity and putting the whole world under the order of Islam, while the other faction wants to join the new international order and separate the religious issues from the diplomatic ones. These internal conflicts stored up trouble for the chaos in the Middle East later. The establishment of Israel in 1948 further intensified the regional conflicts in the Middle East. Egypt, Jordan, Lebanon and Iraq declared war on Israel. After more than nine months of the war, the aftermath of the border problem and refugee issue also left the door open for another war to break out. During the Cold War, the US and the Soviet Union held the Middle East in trust for Europe. Countries in the Middle East then need to choose between the US and the Soviet Union, to choose which country got to be the agent of interest. Some religious extremists are still obsessed with the idea of building an Islamic world order. They have been trying to bombard and change the existing world order through all means, that includes the notorious 911 attacks. To tackle religious extremism, the U.S. has waged a 14 year war on Afghanistan against terrorism. It is a war that revolves around world order freedom or stability? Autonomy or intervention? This is the question, but also the key to whether a new Middle Eastern order can be built. Next, we come to Asia with its diversity of cultures. Asia has a long history and is home to nearly 50 sovereign states. There is a significant religious, ethnic, linguistic and socio-cultural divergence between Asian countries, making it very different from Europe. In the 15th century, upon the age of discovery, the European nations started sending their sailboats off, besides plundering other countries barbarically, they also increased control over the Asian countries by force and continuously turned them into their colonies. The vast majority of Asian countries fell to the Western powers and became victims of the international order imposed by the colonizers. It was not until the end of the Second World War and the rise of the decolonization movement when Asian countries freed themselves from the old regional order through brutal and bloody wars. Since 1970, the economic growth of the four Asian tigers has risen rapidly. Japan, in some manner, even surpassed that of the West. On the other hand, China's reform and opening up have made remarkable achievements. Along with economic development, Asia's approach shifted to foreign policy that was based on national interest and premised on the Westphalian principles. People who were once enemies formed sovereign states, the sovereign states then made up the regional organizations. Asia gradually became one of the most important heritages of the Westphalian system. Furthermore, for Asian countries that have just emerged from colonial rule and gained national sovereignty, the harrowing time under Western colonialism, not long ago still leaves an open wound on their heart. Thus, unlike European nations, Asian countries generally see sovereignty as an absolute concept, and national policies are aimed at the unwavering pursuit of national interest. Several key countries, including China, have stated either explicitly or implicitly that they would not rule out the use of force in pursuit of core national interest. Other countries perceive this as a potential threat. Asian countries are convinced that the world order is leaning towards equity, and they themselves are up and rising. While all countries claim to be committed to a non zero sum foreign policy, many are also seeking to establish their own influence. The greatest evidence would be that all Asian powers have stockpiled weapons of great destructive power. Kissinger argues that Asia inherently constitutes as a challenge to the world order because the mechanisms of order in Asia depend on the perception and pursuit of the major power's own interests rather than on the equilibrium of power between them. To sum up the first part. We learned about the impact of the Westphalian system on the regional order and the Westphalian system was born in Europe in order to maintain the sovereign independence of the European states and the equilibrium of power. Additionally, the Westphalian system further exacerbated the turmoil in the Middle East as it collided with the existing Islamic world order. Asian countries, after they emerged from colonization, have developed immensely and become one of the most important heritages in the system. Today we are just sharing limited content.